This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Well, welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest, Harry Duran. Harry, how you doing? Hey, Greg. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, awesome. Well, before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you tell us, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> In so many ways I could answer that question. If I think Answer that, them all. <laughs> yeah, I could answer them all. Well, when I went to college, I thought for a minute I wanted to be an architect. Uh, when I was in high school, I learned how to DJ, an actual old school DJ, not laptop DJ, but actual vinyl wow. and turntables. And I still have my Techniques 1200s in storage. So there was a part of me that wanted to be a globetrotting <laughs> electronic music DJ because I was around for the beginning of like that that whole um, wave of music, house music and all that. So that's that's a passion of mine as well. Um, and I think I've always, you know, liked the idea of, of traveling and, and being introduced into new cultures as well. So I'm sure there's a there's a roaming the planet aspect to that as well. Well, you are officially our first globetrotting DJ as <laughs> what you wanted to be when you grew up. So that's really, really cool. Yeah. Well, what were some of your favorite subjects or hobbies while you were in school? I really, interestingly enough, um, I was always curious. Uh, so I would be the, the kid that when the packages came home for like furniture or stuff like that, I'd be the one who'd want to like piece it together. So as you might imagine, I, I, I geeked out later on with like Ikea furniture, like <laughs> figuring out all the different moving parts, like what goes into where, lining up all the like screws and little pieces. And, and, you know, I think for some people they see that and it drives them a little bit bonkers, but I've always been just naturally curious. Um, and it's, and so that lent itself early on to, um, a, a bit of math, you know, not, not as much as I, I think where I, I would take it to like the extreme level where I wanted to be a mathematician, but I was always fascinated by math and, and science. Um, and I had a, an affinity for English too. I ended up studying English literature in high school. Um, something interesting that I remember from grade school is we would get like 20 words, um, that we'd need to learn. I think every kid in grade school goes to, you know, this expanding mm -hmm. their vocabulary. And so they would, the assignment would be come back, you know, the next day or a couple of days later and write a sentence using each word. For some reason, my, my mind naturally gravitated towards taking all 20 words and trying to use them all in a story. <laughs> <laughs> so I would come back and I would come back with like a two or three page story. But I had found a way to incorporate every single vocabulary word from that week. Oh, that's really cool. Well, I have to know, are you sitting in an Ikea chair right now? <laughs> I am not, no. Oh, you're not. Oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> yeah, the thing about Ikea is you buy it, now you got to put it together. So I yeah, have exactly. quite a few Ikea furniture around here, and I feel really this huge sense of accomplishment when it actually works and it looks like it's supposed to look. So that's really cool. And so what's interesting about some of that furniture, it's meant to be uh, put together in a room, but if you tried to take it out of that same room, like already constructed and built, it, it wouldn't make its way out of the doorway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's a great point. Well, what was your first actual real job? One where you received a paycheck and you wanted to do a good job. You had a sense of responsibility. I think the first job that I can recall was work. My, um, my cousin at the time worked at a bus depot, and I think it was actually like cleaning up 
after the shift, like post shift, like, <laughs> like emptying the trash, like sweeping the floors, like one of those you know, like straight out of high school jobs. Um, and I think uh, it's either that or my mom worked in a nursing home and I was actually, uh, I did summer work there. So I, I can probably full, I've probably like made more beds <laughs> in, in those couple of years there than I, I will in, in my whole lifetime. So it was just one of those nursing homes with like four floors and we were responsible for like cleaning up the rooms and making the beds. So do you make your bed every morning or were you so sick of it you don't? <laughs> well, no, I, I I think for a while I, I just, I didn't, but I, I understand the importance of doing it as a practice first thing in the morning. It's like one of the first things you do to organize your day, even though it seems small and it sort of sets the tone for how the rest of the day is going to go. I totally agree with that. And that's why I do it every morning because it just gets the day off to a great start. You feel like yeah. you've accomplished something right off the bat. So that's funny. We have that in common. Well, if you would tell us, what do you do today? So I'm currently the host of a show called Podcast Junkies. And uh, I've been doing that since 2014, just about to hit episode 200. Uh, it's a bit meta. It's a podcast where I interview other podcast hosts. <laughs> and <laughs> and then I'm as a result of that and having a, a business coach that I, I started working with, I uh, created my own business. It's actually a podcast production agency called Fullcast. And I'm the founder and CEO of that company now. Right. And so for this, the purposes of this conversation kind of classified you as a podcast producer, even though you're wearing multiple hats. So that's really cool. What could you tell us? How did you go from wanting to be a globetrotting DJ to <laughs> that time in the nursing home to what you're doing today? It's so funny because I don't think you could have teed that up any better because there actually is a, con <laughs> there actually is a connection. It, you know, it's funny because you're, you're having me like go back to like when I was in grade school and thinking about like what I was taking during that time. And it, I, I, I talk a lot about this idea of being influenced by other voices. And I think the early one was my, my dad uh, when he, you know, he would read these or play these motivational like tapes like, you know, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and that I, I, I don't really pay much attention to. And I wish I had knowing that I was going to become an entrepreneur much later on in life. But, you know, his, his dream for, was for me to kind of go through to, to college. And um, while I, I didn't, you know, finish up my career in college, I, I did learn a lot during that process about what was important. Um, but when I got my opportunity to take a, a full-time paying job at a bank, I think given the fact that I was allowed to wear a suit to work, I was so convinced that I had made it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm wearing a suit to work. This is it. You know, I've, I've made it. And um, I had a, a great salary. And I remember having a boss who, when I hit that six-figure mark in salary, he said, you know, your income puts you at the top. I think he said 10% of all income earners. So I thought that was pretty cool. Right, but I, right. But, but I always, uh, I think throughout that journey, I realized I had the entrepreneurial bug. And so even though I was getting promoted and getting um, great positions and, and moving on to better titles in the company, there was always something I wanted to try. And so when the dot-com craze hit in 1999, I don't know how many of your listeners can remember like Pets.com <laughs> and all those companies where <laughs> people uh, lost a lot of money. Um, I, that was the first opportunity where I, I sort of left. And the, the next voice I listened to was a, um, a friend of mine that I, uh, I met at the time and it was a startup portal for Latino culture and everything with a dot com was booming at that time, if you remember. And I was so convinced that that was my shot at dot com millions that I actually cashed out my 401k to zero. Oh my goodness. Wow. 
<laughs> so needless to say, uh, that didn't pan out, or we'd probably be having a different conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> you might have learned things the hard way there, yeah, right? Yeah, so, um, so I did that for, I think, about a year and a half, and then I eventually made my way back to corporate. Uh, America and I had a I had what you, what you would consider a corporate godfather. He just kept hiring me um, for for jobs because you know in, in in the corporate world you hire who you know um, better than hiring someone from outside. So I, I very quickly got another job. But then you know the the bug was still there. And then um, in early in around 2001, I had a half brother who lived in Atlanta and he convinced me to go down and be the general manager for his construction company. Wow. Now, mind That's you, I, totally different. <laughs> it is. I literally went from doing IT consulting. I was I was working in like um, e-business uh, at the turn at the time when that term was actually meant something, and uh, you know I went down to Atlanta. I was like, hey, what the heck? So I mean, I literally had boots, hard hat, scaffold. You know, I was I, was, I learned how to take a set of blueprints and, and do an estimate on how to how much masonry to put around a a a bank building. <laughs> right, right. And, and so this is very interesting, but um, that, you know, you know what they say about working with family, that didn't pan out. And it was, <laughs> it's probably about two years later that I was, I found myself on a plane headed back to New York, sort of like with my tail between my legs, um, because I had uh, realized I was going back home to live with my parents at the age of 34. Wow. So you went from feeling like, like you succeeded, you had the suit on, six-figure salary, working at a bank, to the total flip side in a matter of years, right? Yeah, it was crazy. And um, one of the, one of the um, things that I, I, I thought, I was like, you know, I, I just want to keep at it. And, you know, I eventually found a, a, a job back in corporate America, but the bug was still there. I was just doing some consulting bringing it full circle, I, I had my passion for electronic music. So I would go to music festivals. And so I created a mobile app with a friend of mine and it was called Know Your DJ. And it's sort of like a Pandora, but specifically, if you imagine that as Pandora for all artists, the Know Your DJ app was only for electronic music DJs. Wow. Okay. And so we worked on that for about a year and a half. And then I, I, I was a follower of this, uh, podcast called resident advisor that would interview DJs. And I thought that was so cool. And I said, I want to start something similar. So I went to a now defunct conference called new media expo in 2014, no 2012, I believe, uh, 2012, 13 with the express, uh, purpose of, you know, creating a, a podcast so I can interview DJs and, and chase these world globe trotting DJs around the world. I quickly realized how hard that was going to be, but I, what I did notice was a bunch of podcasters there. And so, um, the other, thing that I did on my resume was actually studied a little bit of acting when I, when I lived in New York and I was a fan of the show inside the actor studio. Mm -hmm. And yep. so I thought, what about an inside the actor studio, but for podcasters. And so I started asking some of these folks if they want to be on the show that had not been created. So I always give credit to people who gave me a shot early on and I started interviewing podcasters and I would do a video conference call on Skype so I could get access to uh, you know, see some of the, the body language and some of the facial expressions, and, and they eventually became hour-long conversations, and I would only use the audio. And, you know, that started just my process of being integrated into the podcasting community because, as you might imagine, when you speak to that many podcasters, you start to learn a lot about what makes a successful show. And I, I would speak to people who had been doing it for, you know, since 2004 and five. you know, some early, early you know, podcasting OGs. So it was really, <laughs> really fascinating. And I, I learned a lot about the community and I started now then speaking at podcasting conferences. I hired a business coach and, and then that's where I started producing shows for clients. And that's where Fullcast was born. Now, how long has Fullcast been up and running? Uh, Fullcast has been around for almost four years now. 
Wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, so speaking of full cast, what is your typical day like? Actually, you should probably make it your typical week. I think that that natural curiosity that I had early on and that, that love for this idea around productivity and systems, systemization, um, I'm, I sort of geek out on all that sort of stuff. So that, sort of, <laughs> that was very helpful as I started building my business because one of the things you learn early on is to figure out a way to systematize a lot of the things you do on a day-in and day-out basis if you have any aspirations to growing your business and maybe even eventually selling it. So um, early on, I started listening to a lot of podcasts about folks that worked remotely, digital nomads, and this concept of SOPs I kept hearing a lot about, and that's standard operating procedures. So early on, I read a book called Work the System by Sam Carpenter. And it's interest, it was really in- interesting and eye-opening for me because he, you know, it's this idea of documenting every single process that you do in your business. And so early on, even when it was just me, I would document, okay, this is how uh, you know, we're editing the audio. This is where it gets posted. These are the steps you do to go to a client's site, to their WordPress site, and this is how you upload their audio and, and write the show notes. And so when I started working with uh, VAs, which is short for virtual assistants, I currently still have a team of, of, of a couple of VAs, and they're based in the Philippines. And so uh, if your listeners aren't aware, um, there's a lot of outsourcing being done nowadays. And in the past, it used to be done to India. But for this entrepreneurial community and this next this entrepreneurial wave of folks who are, are leveraging those resources, what's interesting is that in the Philippines, they teach English early on. So they actually have a really good command of the English language. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I communicate with my VAs in English, and uh, we use a tool called Slack for our, our back and forth uh, communication, which is really, really great for having time delayed conversations. And so just over time, I started building out all these processes. And, and so now uh, what my day looks like is just having conversations with um, clients. And so we have a communication channel in, in the tool I talked about Slack, where we you know figure out what they need on a regular basis. We already have scheduled for them what we know what we're going to produce on a weekly basis, you know, their podcast. So most clients have a weekly show they're producing. And mm-hmm. so we actually edit the audio in our service. We have a full service uh, offering. So all they have to do is place their audio in Dropbox. We pick it up. We master and level the audio. We write full show notes. Uh, we can write a full transcription. And then we actually post it to their website on their behalf. And then we actually go in and, and log into all their social media accounts, Twitter, LastPath, I mean, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Medium, and we actually promote the episode for them. We use a tool called LastPass, and that allows us to securely share passwords without us having to see the password. And Mm -hmm. so we we do all that promotion for them, and we send them their download numbers every week, and then we actually send them, if they have a guest on the podcast, we actually send them an email and says, hey, hey, Greg, here's the the email you're going to send to your guest, Joe, um, and then you'll just cut and paste the text and say, hey, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. And since we produce the show and we know what all the URLs are going to be, we actually put that in the email already, so... So, you know, we make our clients' lives easier because we don't want them to have their guests work harder than they did, you know, because you, you, never, you never want, as a, as a podcast host, you never want your guests working harder than you did. Um, so you, you want to make it easy for them to promote the show. So it's full service. And so it's just really just managing those processes and, and working with uh, the team to make sure everything is going out as planned. That's what a typical week looks like. And obviously, I always try to make time to... Um, have guests on my show, Podcast Junkies, and also um, be a guest on other shows like yours. Yeah, and speaking of which, being on this side of the mic, I can totally appreciate the work that you do for sure because <laughs> it is a lot of work doing one of these things. Yeah. Uh, what Can you speak to a little bit about the podcast movement as a whole? Like what kind of trends 
changes you're seeing i'm seeing it a lot more i'm seeing some mainstream like tv shows getting into it just basically putting out a podcast that's just the audio of their tv shows can you just speak to what you're seeing out there in the podcast movement yeah it's really interesting um and smartly enough that's actually the name of one of the most popular podcasting conferences <laughs> podcast movement but uh i remember signing up for their kickstarter back in 20 i think it was 2014 and they were just expecting to get like a couple of hundred people in like a Dallas hotel and it just blew up because there was a need for that. So they're now going to be expecting, I think, 3000 people at the next conference. It's pretty, right. pretty crazy. <laughs> so it's been fun to watch be there as, as it's, as it's uh, gone through this next wave of growth. And I think part of the challenge early on was this just knowledge of people understanding what a podcast is. Um, there's a report put out by a company called Edison research and what they've found out now this year is the first year that the term podcast has been heard by like 50% or more people have actually heard the term. Um, and so there's been a lot of work to do that. And obviously some of the more popular shows help shows like Serial or, you know, every time a celebrity launches a podcast, that's usually a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then you've got podcasts that just go gangbusters like Joe Rogan or Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, which gets tens of millions of downloads per episode. <laughs> Right. Uh, so it's it's in- interesting because it's a whole other world there, and and some of them are so big that I like to to joke around that if you are on the Joe Rogan podcast, it's almost like the new Oprah effect. Like he can have someone on there that is a virtually unknown person, and overnight, by virtue of having them on, they're now known like nationwide and worldwide at, at, as well. He recently had Elon Musk on there, <laughs> and people were going crazy because uh, he was on the show, and and, and that was one of the, his most popular episodes. But what's the beauty of the, the the medium and why I love it so much is because it's this this ability to sort of have this intimate conversation with your listeners, and you know as you, as you can attest to, and, and as I'm sure you listen to podcasts because you're listening to them with your earbuds. Eighty percent of podcasts are consumed on mobile devices, so people are naturally on the go. And unlike a YouTube or unlike like a blog, you don't have to be in front of a screen to consume the content. You can be making dinner, you can be walking a dog, you can be on the treadmill, you can be on traffic. And the beauty of the podcast, because it's a, typically a, a very frequent um, connection that you have, you know, most podcasts are, are placed weekly, some even, you know, are, are daily podcasts, you start to build a relationship with the the, the host and some really interesting happens, Greg, when, you know, sometimes I go to a podcast conference and someone tells me like they've been listening to my show for like the past two or three years. And so they probably know more about me than I know about them. Right, <laughs> right, the, for sure. And as you might imagine, <laughs> over the course of, you know, several years, you start to, you know, just divulge like aspects of your personal life and, you know, what your dog's name is and where you've been traveling. So, you know, they'll inevitably come out, you know, it's like, oh, how's your dog doing? And like, you know, <laughs> all things that, are, that you're like, it's really weird when you think about it, but it's this relationship you have. And so I always tell podcast hosts and I tell my clients like to remember that you have this, it's almost like a contract that you have with your listeners because they've, they've committed to listening to you on a regular basis. You know, the nature of podcasts is that you can subscribe to them. So you get the content delivered to you every single week. And, you know, there's, there's the whole gamut of podcasts, everything from the, the two guys in the basement, um, you know, two friends that just want to stay connected and they start a podcast just to, you know, for their own benefit to the hobby podcast. You know, every single TV show at this point has at least probably two or three podcasts dedicated to that TV show. So there's a lot for the fans there as well. And then obviously celebrities are getting into it um, and businesses are using it as well as a, as a great tool to connect with their audience. They can interview past clients. They can interview, you know, have prospects listen to their show on a week, weekly basis and, and really get a feel for what the company is like. Uh, we recently have been doing a show for a company called K-Swiss, which is the sneaker company oh, yeah. Yeah, yep. based in Los Angeles. 
And, you know, they do a show called CEOs Wear Sneakers. And so they don't overtly, like, promote, like, what they're doing as a company. But by virtue of, like, highlighting these, you know, up-and-coming CEOs, they talk about the culture, which is what, you know, what their company is all about. And then every once in a while, they, they have a new shoe drop or something. You know, they'll they'll squeeze that in as a as a bonus episode. But yeah, it's 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 a way for companies to tell the story about their company. So there's so many different ways you can use it, and that's why I'm really high on on the format. I'm a big proponent of podcasts, and I obviously I have two of them. So uh, I think any company or any expert in the field should have a podcast because that that's a way that you can share, and people can learn from you, and you could have guests that are in the same field or. You know, you could interview folks at your workplace. Um, I just think it's a huge and amazing tool that's just now finding its footing, which is really kind of cool and exciting. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you are an educator or a student, you can search for podcasts by career cluster. So, Harry, we just learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was a globetrotting DJ, which is awesome. And what you actually do today, which is a podcast producer. So looking back, if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? Entrepreneurialism is something that's not for everyone. Um, I found later on in life that it's something that I gravitated towards. And so I think I would learn more about the um, how to effectively run a business. You know, as one of the challenges as a solopreneur when you're getting started is that no one really d- dives deep into like things like finances and balance sheets and bookkeeping, you know, unless that's your unless you're going to become CPA, <laughs> you know, that obviously is right. very important. <laughs> But for most people, you know, that's some of the biggest challenges you have, like understanding like the importance of paying taxes and, you know, how to pay freelancers and how to set up a website and how to market your services. And, you know, these are all things that I had to essentially, you know, pay for the equivalent of an MBA to learn because I had to hire coaches and hire expensive coaches. Um, but I realized it was it was important for me. And one of the valuable lessons that I took away was um, there's a speaker by the name of Jim Rohn, and he actually coached Tony Robbins early on. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm, and that was right. really important for yeah, me early on because coming out of like my nine to five, I was like, I don't have entrepreneurial friends who've started businesses. And now I'm lucky enough to have people who have, you know, six and seven and some people eight figure businesses that I, that I can personally call my friends. And if I have to call them up and be like, Hey, I have a challenge with like this marketing aspect or this technical aspect or hiring, like, you know, I can I can have them I can reach out to them as a as a friend and, and they can help me and so I think that that idea of just realizing like there's a a bunch of skills that are not um, taught in in college that you either need to like look out for or you know I know some of the programs early on now there's programs in college that are focused on on being an entrepreneur and that wasn't around when I was there so if that's something you think that might be helpful for you kind of lean lean into those as well yeah that's great advice uh, well let's think about that student who wants to do what you do now define this as you will as either a podcast producer or a podcast host whatever you want to do what advice would you give them I think um, if you want to become a podcast producer, I think what's important is to learn all the aspects of producing a show. And as, as I know you can attest to, Greg, the best way to learn is by doing. So <laughs> if being a podcast producer is something you're interested in, the very first thing I would tell you to do is start your own podcast. Yep. Um, and, and the beauty of starting your own podcast is you are a one-man marketing machine and you have to wear every hat. You have to be the editor. You have to be the marketer. <laughs> so you have to not only book the, you know, f- figure out what your show is going to be about. So you have to do all the marketing aspects. You have to plan it and make sure you're positioning your show. There's, there's a model I walk early students through. It's called the holistic podcaster. And it's th- this idea of all the different pieces of a podcast. And so in the beginning, 
you have to plan your show and then position it so you know exactly who you, who it's for and then you get into the production aspect of it and that's where you make sure that your your audio sounds great and so you have to learn a little bit of audio production and then learn how to master the audio and then actually produce it and then get it loaded up to the hosting company learn how to submit it to iTunes and then do the promotion aspect because people forget about that they have to actually now promote the show so they have to switch hats uh, and that gets into like the next phase where it's like promoting a show and then later on you can figure out how you're going to profit from it but that comes later because you have to actually create an audience and so you have to wear all these hats you know learn how to market your show get out there learn how to talk about what your show is about you know and sometimes that means going to conferences and telling people what it is it about because sometimes podcasters think they can start a show and then everyone will magically uh, find it but now with about 720,000 I think is the last count of podcasts in the Apple Podcast directory. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of competition there. Wow, you're not kidding. I didn't realize it was that many. That is amazing. Well, cool. Well, are there any current projects you're working on that you would like to share? Yeah, I, one of the things I've put together recently is a one-page PDF called the Ultimate Podcast uh, Game Plan, and it's it, it touches on what I just outlined there, all the specific pieces on the six steps needed to launch a successful show. And it, it addresses a lot of the common questions I get, as you might imagine, Greg, like what's the best mic to use or who should I host my show with or, you know, what's what's the good editing tool to use? And I realized I should just put them all in, in one PDF and then that way people can uh, look at that. And I just... I'd love to work with everyone, you know, but I, it's, it's feasibly impossible. So I, I put that together as a great uh, primer for people to get started um, so that they're headed down the right path. Um, so I think the best, e the easiest way to do that is just to go, I'll create a link on my site. So if you go to fullcast.co forward slash Greg, um, that'll be the link created specifically for your listeners. Awesome. Thanks. I'm going to be the first one that downloads that. <laughs> <laughs> I did have uh, one, one last point, I think, as, that came to mind in, in closing. Like, I remember, if you remember, I came back from uh, Atlanta and I was like staying with my parents. I did have the, the one bright spot is that I had a ticket to Thailand because I had bought it when I was in Atlanta. So I traveled to Thailand um, and I just needed to get my mind off of things. My friend picked me up there. Uh, and we we drove around the island. We were on the island of, of Kamui, uh, Koh Samui. And I remember us going to this waterfall, and he's standing on this ledge, and he's looking over the ledge, and he's like, hey, do you want to check the view out here? It's amazing. And so I was there, I, I, and I stepped into the stream that was between me and him, and I literally, like, slipped and, like, landed, went up in the air and landed on my back, and I proceeded cool. to be carried over the edge of the falls. Wow. And this literally was happening within seconds, Greg. It's it crazy. And uh, I, I stuck my leg out, and there was a huge boulder like this. I, I caught it at the corner of my eye, and I stopped myself from going over the edge. I'm, I'm not sure that I would have died, but I would have been extremely banged up because it was just a bunch of jagged rocks oh, yeah. <laughs> over sure. the edge of the hole. <laughs> and so I was like, like all like shaking. He pulls me over to the edge. Managed to make the most out of the trip, but I was definitely like nervous for, I mean, just for a, a while. We, we ended up having fun and I, I go back to New York. Um, and the reason I tell that story is because, you know, you don't realize this stuff when it happens, but usually after the fact. And I, I thought about, you know, man, it would be a shame if I like died with my voice inside of me. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's so, that's why like part of my mission now is to help, you know, I have this mission of helping a million people find their voice. And, and for me, the medium is podcasting and, you know, I'll do it by connecting other people and helping people start their shows and they can reach their 10,000 listeners. Um, so it's just a passion of mine. I, I think everyone has a story to tell and it's just a matter of getting it out there. So it's something that I'm really passionate about now. No, that's awesome. That's a really great way to look at it. 
you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time talking about your career journey. And as with most journeys, success largely depends on reliable transportation. And we don't know each other, but I'm a huge car enthusiast. So for my benefit, could you tell me what was your first car? (laughs) I think I originally had my eyes on the Dodge Daytona. And this is, um, man, this is high school. So this is going to be late 80s. Oh my gosh! I, I had a Chrysler Laser. Well, which was that, that, the that's so car. funny. That's what I had. I had <laughs> no way. I had my. This I was going to say. I had my eyes on the Daytona, but I actually bought a Chrysler Laser. <laughs> wow! What, it, I had it, a it, it was a silver six or I. Mine was dark silver. Mine was too. <laughs> wow! It was between me and my sisters officially. That's hilarious. It was, it was the turbo version. I don't think I had the turbo version, but I did have the louvers on the back window. Oh my gosh, that was such a great car for eight, mid eighties. Oh yeah, <laughs> or whatever, yeah. late eighties. It was the closest I was going to get to like a sports car. You know, it wasn't going to be a two eighty ZX or anything like that. But it was. I had a lot of fun with that car. So that's awesome. You memories. never see those no. anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> fun memories. What is your dream car if you have one? I'm a big fan of Tesla, so I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that it would be the 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 Tesla sedan. That's the. Model 3 then, right? Yeah. Yeah, the new one, the Model 3. Yeah. Well, cool. I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of being, uh, of being in it, and it is literally like you're being inside of a spaceship, and uh, it has so much power in it, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, it's, it's my new favorite uh, car on the wish list. Wow. Well, I'm feeling pretty good about my pick for you. So <laughs> one great perk to some cars is a cool company car. So if I had all the money in the world, I'd love to buy a cool company car based on your job as a podcast producer. Now, my thought process on this was is you're, it's an emerging market. It's ahead of the trend. You're really ahead of the trend because not only are you doing a podcast, but you're a producer. You're doing all sorts of cool stuff. So I thought, what car is really ahead of the trend on a lot of things? And I didn't go Tesla, <clears throat> but I went really close. Mm-hmm. So your company car I picked for you is a 2020 Volvo Polestar 1. Whoa. Now, this this car is super cool. I'll send you a picture of it when this posts. But it's a two-door plug-in hybrid like the Tesla, but it has carbon fiber body panels. So it's like 500 pounds lighter, and it has crazy horsepower. It's like 600 horsepower, (laughs) over 700 pound-feet of torque. And what's really cool is when you buy it, you don't actually go and see it. It's all like virtual reality to check it out. Mm. And then, in theory, you can purchase it online, which nobody really does that right now. And then it has a lease-like subscription. So they're, like, really ahead of all the other major car companies. So I thought this would be the great one for you if I had all the money in the world. Yeah, I'm looking forward to checking the specs on that out. Yeah, so I'll send that to you when this posts. It will be up online. So if I had all the money in the world, that's what it would be. You mean when? You mean when? Sorry, when, <laughs> when. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking us on your career journey today. What's the best way our listeners can learn more about you and your company? So I'm active on social media. Um, the company is fullcast.co, and, um, and I'm on Instagram at Harry Duran FC, on Twitter at Harry Duran FC as well, so that makes it easy. And so... And if you look for Harry Duran, you'll, you should be able to find me on Facebook as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking us on your career journey today, Harry. Thanks so much, Greg. I really appreciate you allowing me to share my story with your audience. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.